So as, as Trish kind of started talking about it, today we wanted to uh, dive into prayer. And this is not going to be so much as how to actually pray, uh, you know, the acts, the... Uh, we we kind of talk about, we can talk about where you should pray, how you should pray, how long you should pray, with who you should pray, uh, and find that secret place. There, there's a lot of things, but I think we, what today we wanted to focus is um, why, why and, and what happens in our, in our lives as we pray. And uh, right before uh, we got here, Trish gave me this book to read, and there was a, this amazing quote about prayer it says things don't change when we talk to god things change when god talks to us and it's it really like i had to pause uh, and think about it because we we focus so much on talking and uh, prayer and everything else and we don't realize it's it's the god talking back to us and that's sadly we don't focus on that too much. We don't talk, focus too much on the listening part of prayer. Uh, we we mentioned at the beginning uh, in April when we met together when we talked about the Shema. When we talked about Shema, hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel. How important it was to hear what God is, is saying. The God of the universe, who with His words were able to create the universe and all that is in it is the one who's trying to speak to us and we're too busy to hear. So again, it's not, things don't change when we talk to God, it's things change when God talks to us and that is an important aspect of it. So, um, is anybody who has, who's at James chapter four, can you read four, one through three, Amy Jo, you got it? Yeah, one through All right. And we're gonna focus on three, but I wanted to kind of you guys have, have uh, kind of a context of the, of the scripture. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your passions. Thank you. And then, I'm sorry, and the last one, the verse 4 says, Your adulterous people, don't you know that the friendship with the world is hatred towards God? So I just want you guys to kind of have the, the, that concept as we, as we talk about prayer. Because this is, I've heard, I've, I've heard this quote a lot of times. You don't have because you do not ask God, right? You don't have because you haven't had. I think in King James Version it sounds cooler. Um, but I hear that all the time. But this this whole aspect of when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Uh, and that I think that's what kind of I want to focus on. What should be our motives when we ask, right? At the beginning of verse 2, it talks, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. It's, it's this desires that we have that do not come from a good place. And that's why, we're, we're, that's why when, when Trish started talking about how she wanted to do the communion of us pouring out ourselves into it, if we would pour it out before we even come to the Lord, I think our prayers were going to change a little bit. All right, so one of the first 
aspects that when we were studying, we realized that prayer, just like worship, last, last week we talked about worship is a response to what God's been doing in our lives beforehand. We don't need to worship and get to a, to a place of, of high, of, uh, of, of bringing God into the presence. Uh, prayer is the same way. What we do is through the day, through the time, we reflect on what God is doing in our lives, what God is putting on our hearts, what God is uh, exposing to us and, and showing to us through his Holy Spirit. And that's what's going to lead us to the prayer. It's not we're going to start praying and try to change what the Holy Spirit is going to do. It's the Holy Spirit is putting something in our hearts. And that's mm -hmm. what leads our prayer. Okay, that's why sometimes it's a good idea to pause before you pray. Maybe listen to what God has to say to you before you start speaking to him. So again, it's, it's the response to the Spirit's leading. That's how the, the prayer should, should look like. So one of, one of the key things that I think he's trying to explain that just takes us a minute is that I a lot of what we call prayer, that we have a, a routine of doing, is really just thinking out loud. Or like thinking and projecting it towards God. But prayer, spirit calls out to spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can, through us can connect to God and pray in alignment. That's why Jesus says, I can do nothing unless the Father shows me. I can say nothing unless, except for what he tells me to say. And we come into God's presence. Again, just like worship, we don't have to, like you said, worship and bring in God's presence. Like God is already here yeah. before we get here. He's in us. He dwells with us. He abides with us. What it is is that we need to be aware of his presence. So worship aligns us to be sensitive to his presence that's already among us. And it's the same with prayer. We don't come to God in prayer with a laundry list. He's not a genie. Right. And so often we come and we're like, so so I think we could just start with the definition. In English, if you look up the definition, the root for prayer comes from to beg. To beg or to plead. But in Hebrew, the biblical understanding of the word is tefillah, which comes from the word tofel. And that actually has to do, it, it, the, the image, the verb, is if you have something that's broken and you put the pieces back together. When you, when you put the pieces back together, like a glue that brings those, like a broken jar, the glue that brings those pieces back together. So what's actually happening in prayer is that we recognize our brokenness. And our brokenness is, is not necessarily that we're dysfunctional or sinful. Our brokenness is that we have been broken from communion with God. And prayer is the glue that brings us back to him. It restores that relationship. It puts us in a right relationship, a right understanding. And so, you know, I, I've heard it taught sometimes like, but I've been praying and praying and praying about this and God is not answering. And people are like, oh, well, that's because you're not praying in accordance with his will. Or maybe you need to fast or maybe you just need to pray harder or you don't have enough faith. <laughs> like there's all these things. But the reality is, is that we, if we're coming, it's, it's like that cup. We're coming with this overflow and we're kind of throwing at God what's on our mind. And there's a place for that. He's like, okay, cool. Get it out of your system. But let me know when you're ready to really pray. Yeah. Wow. 
because we haven't actually started a conversation. Right now, it's mostly been a monologue. So we can get it off our chest, but then we need to be still. And like he said, we need to learn to listen. The, the Shema that we studied a couple months ago, the word Shema is to hear and obey. So prayer begins, it actually begins with listening. So when, when and only when the Holy Spirit presses something on our hearts, then we pray in response. So if you're quiet and God puts that cousin on your heart or the Christians in Afghanistan or pride in your own life, whatever the issue is, as you're still and as you're quiet, the Holy Spirit will impress on your heart what it is that you truly need to pray about. So again, it's not wrong to come to the Lord and just kind of get things off your chest, but we have to realize that that's really just the beginning. We haven't actually started to pray until we've learned to listen. And God is the one who initiates true communion and prayer. And that aspect of aligning ourselves with God, that's when it's happening. Because if, as you look at it, I love I love that Jesus would say John in John um, the Gospel of John he talks about it over and over again first of all uh, how many times he would go away and pray to seek seek God but then also he's like I don't say anything unless my father tells me what to say. I don't do anything unless my father tells me what to do and that's a very powerful thing because a lot of times we ask things because it's just out of our our desires out of our hope um, you know, there's been time, times, and I think I shared with you guys, where God used me to pray for somebody and they felt better. It was a headache, it was a stomachache, it was fibromyalgia, whatever, whatever it was. And I was like, all right, cool, God, you can use me to, to heal, however you want to feel it, to heal people. But then I went to, went to, um, to Haiti, went to a, to a little orphanage, and there was all these sick kids, and I'm praying to God, God, why can't I lay hands on each and every one of them and them be healed? And he spoke to me like, that is not, it would not align with, with me at this point. The, you're not there for that reason. You're there to what, whatever I was doing there, actually. So that is an important aspect because you would think that of course, praying for an orphan in Haiti to heal, I mean, that is as godly as it gets, but if it's not, but it's not, that was my desire. It wasn't his desire, even though it's, it's a beautiful thing. If I'm not aligned with him, it's not going to happen. It's, and it's, it's, a, it's a pain. For me, it was a painful realization that I cannot pray for somebody in that matter because it is so important to be aligned with him and in our prayer time and in our quiet time that's when we have that opportunity is to be able to align with god is to to pause and dump everything out before we come to him so that we're saying all right god i want to be aligned with you in this prayer time but the only way we can do it is being quiet being still and going from there Right, and with the, the epiphany that he was having even about healing was God had used him many times to heal, but ultimately he, God was taking him deeper to understand, like, you're not healing anyone. Yep. And, like, we know that, but, like, we don't, we don't know it. 
And so God was showing both of us at that time different things. Uh, you know, in, in my life, I would get words of knowledge or prophetic insight or things. We do believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are living and active, but we're, we don't live for that, right? We don't live for signs and wonders. That's not... Our relationship is about intimacy and being transformed in the image of God. This is what we've been saying like over and over. And you guys are like, oh my gosh, it's like a broken record. But we just want to stay there. And so we were realizing that I don't have like some special channel where I hear a word from the Lord. He doesn't have a special channel of like healing powers. What was actually happening is that the Holy Spirit would, would show us, go lay hands on this person. Go speak over this person. And to be honest, what actually happens when God is about to do it <laughs> is, again, remember, the gifts are actually graces, right? You're like, uh, that's weird. No, I'm not going to do that. We don't want to do it. Right. Because it's uncomfortable. The person's going to think we're weird. What if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't work? It takes faith, right? So it actually increases our faith. And so it, all of those other spiritual gifts begin and end with prayer. All of the spiritual disciplines begin and end with prayer. I, I even feel funny calling prayer a spiritual discipline discipline because prayer really is the complete essence of the Christian life. Right. Every breath that we take is prayer. It's, it's a communion with God. It's recognizing that we can't even utter a word without the Holy Spirit enabling us to. So that was that was a kind of a shift for us was realizing that you know when when we have someone on our heart who's sick yes there's a time and a place as an intercessor you know God shows us in scripture that we should persist in prayer right there's there's things that we don't understand in the spiritual realm and so we shouldn't give up we should continue to pray for the loved ones that we have who are not well and uh, people who are struggling and all of those but we shouldn't be discouraged because we have to realize at the end of the day that our role is to pray. Our role is not to make the miracle happen. Yeah. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. I, I think I think with with, with that with that statement, it was I think it's a really uh, powerful thing if we look at Abraham right before the Lord and the two angels go to Sodom and Gomorrah. Like that conversation. We can look at it as that, that was kind of a prayer between Abraham. Like he was blessed to actually <laughs> encounter the Lord face to face and have this conversation of what about 50? What about 40? What about 30? What about 20, 10, 5? You know, that conversation and we get to be part of it. But was did Abraham was the one who go and save the settlement uh, more? No, it was still the Lord was in charge of that. The Lord was over. He was just Abraham was just was blessed to be part of that aspect of it so um when we when something gets put on our heart we just are blessed to be part of this god is doing what he's going to do we just get to be uh blessed to be part of that yeah. miracle be part of that um clarification for somebody or anything like that um that is that is it's it's a it's a it's humbling aspect of prayer is for us to be able to be part of that uh, conversation and just like all of the disciplines remember the goal of the discipline god in his grace allows us to be a blessing and to transform the world around us to be a light but the point of prayer is about your transformation so it's not necessarily about even changing your circumstances and that's why this scripture in james where it says First of all, you don't ask. I think some of us, 
we have this understanding that, well, if God is sovereign, like he already knows everything, why do I even need to pray? Right? I, I'm totally guilty. I know I've been there. Maybe I'm alone. But we kind of like resign ourselves. Like, why do I really need to pray? Because he already knows and his will is going to be done. But that theology actually aligns more with Greek philosophy than it does with the biblical narrative. You know, like he said, Abraham says, Lord, will you destroy it if there's a hundred? Lord, will you destroy it if there's 50? Biblical, even Jesus before the cross, he's, he's, just think about it. He, he's able to pray because he already knows that he's going to the cross. So first of all, he knows what to pray because he already has seen what's going to come. He, he, he's not in that moment of prayer. Like he knows that he's got to go to the cross and he says, Lord, take this cup from me. And he knew that if he prayed that God could do that. And that's why ultimately he said, but not my will, your will be done. Because he could have, through the Holy Spirit, he could have changed the outcome. He believed that in that communion with God, that something would happen in the spiritual realm. And that we get to be co-laborers, that's scripture, that we are co-laborers with God in the redemption and unfolding of history. Scripture even teaches us to pray for the coming of the Lord because we will hasten his return. So there's so much power in prayer. And guess what, guys? The only way we learn how to pray is by praying. <laughs> there's a million and one awesome books out there. There's amazing teaching in there, you know, out there. But ultimately, the only way that we really learn how to do it is through actual prayer. So first of all, we have to ask. And secondly, it says you don't receive because you have the wrong motives. Again, we try to look externally and we try to change our circumstances. But if we understand that our motive in prayer is for our hearts and our God cares more about your character than he does your circumstances. So in prayer, we should be saying, Lord, I'm stressed right now. Give me peace. Lord, I, I'm worried about my sister or my brother because they're sick. Help me, Lord, to know how to support them and how to, you know. So again, there's nothing wrong with praying for circumstances, but ultimately the purpose in prayer is not so much that God changes the world around the externals, but that he changes from within us. And if you guys want a couple stories to go to, we're, we're not going to go there today because I, I really want us to have conversation. I know my husband does as well. But the story uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2 of Hannah, it's a beautiful story. Uh, you know, she's, she's being persecuted by her competitor, I guess, rival wife. Uh, and and you know, there's this whole dialogue. And it says year after year after year, she would pray that the Lord would give her a child. But it says the Lord closed her womb. And she prays and prays and prays. And then there's this beautiful, I'm just going to read this one verse, so bear with me. Actually, I think I saved it in. Yours. That's okay. First Samuel. This is actually what kind of gave me the picture for communion. So just bear with me one second. It's in 1 Samuel. It says that uh, she gets confronted by the priest and he says, what are you, drunk? Like, stop. Stop with your drunkenness, right? Because she's just a mess in prayer. And I think we have to not be afraid of getting ugly in prayer, too. You know, we try to say all these holy Christian cliches that right. we don't hedge of protection. <laughs> we just need to get ugly prayers sometimes. And she says, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. It actually says in an earlier verse that she was bitter. So she pours out, it says, I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was 
pouring out my soul to the Lord. And I just loved that imagery. And that's what we need to do when we come in prayer is just pour it out. And then she leaves and it says that she was lightened and that she went to go eat and she, she felt better. She, she didn't have like, boom, here's a child. Like she didn't have a son. She didn't know if she'd get pregnant. But in that encounter, she, she felt God's presence. She heard a word from the Lord and she walked away changed. And then there's another story that's actually in Second Samuel, I believe it's chapter 12, where David, you know, he, he kills his best friend. You know, David, a man after God's own heart, does some scandalous things. And he betrays his best friend and has an affair with his, with his best friend's wife. And then God says, your sin is forgiven, but the child is going to die. And David goes in sackcloth and ashes and he weeps and he fasts and he begs the Lord to heal the child. And at the end of the day, the child dies. And then he gets up and he cleans himself and it says he goes to the house of the Lord to worship. And I just would love for you for you all to sit with those two stories at some point during this week and just kind of ask God, what do these two stories, because they're very different stories, very different outcomes. Uh, and ultimately David, just like Hannah, the Lord's answer was no. And he confuses everyone because he gets up and he cleans up and he goes to worship and he says, when the child was alive, I thought that God may have mercy and change his mind. But now that he hasn't, I'm still going to worship the Lord. So I just believe that there's a lot of things in those two illustrations of how we could align our prayer life and what our our quiet time with the Lord could look like. Uh, first of all, asking. Because David could have been like, well, God already told me the kid was going to die. So it's God's will. It is what it is. But he doesn't. He never relents until the child actually dies. He persists in prayer. And I think some of us that we, we don't persist in that way. We don't pour ourselves out. We, we kind of tiptoe in prayer rather than diving all the way in. And, and that's what God wants us to do in our journey with prayer is to just, as we pray, to learn to go deeper and deeper um, in our intimacy with him, in our vulnerability with him. Because, yeah, God knows our thoughts, God knows our hearts, but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. And in prayer, that ugly comes out, that bitterness comes out, that pride comes out, that fear comes out. And in that time of prayer, as we leave our burdens at the foot of the cross, we should walk away transformed. Because God is faithful, and as we empty ourselves, he will fill us up. Yeah, I, th I think w with that aspect of it, just kind of to, to finish up, um, is when we pray, and Trish talked about asking and having the right motives and aligning with God's will and everything else, the, our prayer gives us an opportunity to reflect on ourselves uh, when the prayers are answered or when the prayers are not. I think the not part is, 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 the, is the hard part of, of that. Because uh, in the book that we, were, that we were reading, it talked about troubleshooting your prayer, prayer life. Meaning like, why is God not answering this prayer? Or has he answered the prayer and why have I not realized it? What is stopping God from hearing my prayer? 
what motives is in my heart that it's stopped? Am I am I praying? Is my prayer actually aligned, or is it just my personal desire for God to answer this prayer? Like let, we we do like Trish said, having that time of reflection of, all right, I have prayed, I have talked to you, um, I have reached out to you, I, I did the ugly cries, and and I still don't see it. Let's reflect on our prayer requests. Let's reflect on our life. Let's reflect on, on, on the things that God has been showing to us outside of the prayer. You know, I, I love it. I love that, that there's steps to how God communicates. So, you know, he says, knock. He says, ask, seek, knock. Uh, no, it's knock, seek, and open, right? So it's one of those things when uh, I love I love the aspect of it. When I pray, when I pray to God, I should seek for His answer because we know He answers somehow. He's going to answer. So when I when I ask Him first step, I should seek for. And when He I, I seek His answer, I got to accept His answer. That that's that's the that's the hard part. Is that sometimes we seek His answer and He's answering. We're like, well, no, that that can't be the answer. That absolutely cannot be the answer because it does not align with what I want but we need to accept that again Shema is not only just hearing but it's hearing and being obedient to the answer and that's the hard part sometimes because we want to do something on our own but if we pray and again Trish said the whole point of prayer the whole point of worship the whole point of serving the Lord is for us to be just like John says less of us and more of him in our lives so for us to be dedicated to, to the Lord more is for us to become more like the Lord. And I know that's something that we've said over and over again, but that's God's goal for us. That's That was the treasure that Paul talks about. Right? So we, we need to understand that. So again, when we come to come time of prayer, we got to reflect on that time. It's not just something, I rub it up, dub thanks for the grub, yay, God. You know what I mean? There, you know, even that I feel like that could be a really good reflection. But there, there, there's more intimacy. A time of prayer and, and, and reflection. We're going to talk about meditation later on. We're going to talk about a, a time of meditation, a time, a time of quietness. Um, that's that's where you get closer to God. Is that communion? Is that absolutely is that communion? Something. Yeah, no, the verse that you quoted, uh, just you. in case everyone wants to put it in their notes. Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And then verse 8 says, For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be open. And it, and it goes on to say, If you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Yeah, it's one of those things where you knock on the door and the, somebody opens the door and you see what's inside that door. You're like, never mind. I don't want that. Close that door. Let me open. What's behind door number two? You know, it's one of those things. And God's like, no, this is it. Trust me. Go in. This is where you want to be. You're like, no, no, no. I'm good. Mm -hmm. That's not what I asked for. That's not what I asked for. And he's like, but this is, you're going to get closer to me through this door. Well, wow. but, but that's not something that Oops. we want. Thank you for the 
Amen. So the last thing, and this is kind of to, to start our conversation, what, what we wanted to ask, which was really like, was a was really interesting question because it, uh, Jesus' disciples, they were all Jewish. And it's with, with, with Jews, it's very interesting that they had prayer for everything. They had to say a prayer when they would wake up. They opened their eyes, there was a prayer. Then there was a special prayer when they would wash their hands because they, they couldn't pray anything else because they they were dirty. Then there was a prayer at noon and a prayer at three o'clock. And then prayer, there was all these prayers before they went to sleep, there was prayers. But for some reason, these people who pray all their lives, six times a day, if not more, they go to Jesus and ask, teach us how to pray. They've been doing this all their lives since they were little. They all pray the Shema. We know for sure they know how to pray that. But they also, they all, there was also other prayers. So they know how to pray. But here they come before God, before the, before Jesus, and say, teach us how to pray. We want to know how to pray. Like for me, like that was confusing. Like the, I, thought, I thought that was a very interesting aspect to, of course, you guys should know. You guys like should be the... The number one. So Yeah, these aren't pagans who had no relationship yeah. with God. Like prayer is a very integral facet of Jewish life. So there must have been something so distinctive about his habit of prayer, his method of prayer, the power in his prayers, that it was enough to compel them to say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Yeah. 